Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, quarantined in D.C., and today I'm going to be talking with Alex Mahajer and Jonathan Welch. They're executive producers of the National Vote at Home Initiative for the Stonewall Democratic Club. Mahajer is a political commentator and activist with bylines at the Huffington Post, USA Today, and Medium, and he's the host of the AMR Report for HAPS News. Jonathan Welch is a writer, commentator and former communication strategist who has worked in the democratic and worked in democratic politics for almost two decades. He's also the chair of produced media with the Stonewall Democratic Club. Let me just tell you, these guys are awesome. Sometimes when you interview people or you talk to people who are either like candidates or if they're involved in any kind of like voting initiative, it's kind of a dry interview. Let me just say right now, that's not the case. They are so much fun. I love these two. We had a great time. Not only are you going to find out the best way to vote, you're also going to be entertained because they're just so cool. So I'm, I just love talking to them. But before we get into the main show, oh my God, I'm reading Michael Cohen's book. <laughs> and I do say a little bit of what I know so far on the show. So I'm going to give up some spoilers. I'm, I'm only like halfway through. And really, it's not that there's anything that I'm going to spoil, but I am for the next about three minutes or so going to talk a little bit about what I have come to the conclusion or like what I've, what I've taken from this book so far. One thing that I'm not sure about last night, he was on, Michael Cohen was on Rachel Maddow, and he said Trump did not want to win, that he basically just wanted to use the campaign as a branding effort and, and get his deal with the, uh, the hotel in Mo- or the Trump tower in Moscow. Now what's interesting about this is I saw, I think it was Andrea Chalupa. She's, she's like, no, that's actually not the case because there was all these shell companies having to do with Russia and all this. So she's not necessarily convinced that Trump didn't want to win. She thinks that Trump wanted to win. And I was reading Melania and me, and Melania had told her friend, Trump is going to see this all the way through, that he wanted to win. So I'm not sure what to think about what Cohen said. But overall, I think Cohen is authentic in that he said, if you want to know the inner workings or, or whatever of the mafia, you talk to a mob boss. You don't talk to anybody else because they have that inside story. And he's got that inside story. And he, he basically, here's one spoiler, when he met Donald Trump, now first of all, let me just back up and say, he purchased a couple of condos in Trump Tower, and the first time he ever met Trump, he had already owned these condos, and, and Trump was made aware of it. So they were shaking hands, and Trump said something like, oh yeah, we got you these really good deals on your condos. And Michael Cohen's thinking, there were no deals, I, I paid the asking price. So their relationship started off with a lie. And Michael Cohen just chose to let Trump get away with it, which so many people do because he was intoxicated with Trump's ability to ignore the rules. And he touches on this in his childhood where, you know, he he talks about growing up that he was a good Jewish boy and that he got good grades and he was polite to adults and all that. But his uncle was in the mafia. And so he was or at least hung out with mafia so he, Michael Cohen, compared himself, and I think his name was Henry Hill in Goodfellas, which is the Ray, Leo, Ray Liotta's character, who went around when he was a teenager lighting all the, you know, the mafia bosses' cigars and getting them drinks and whatnot. So Michael Cohen kind of describes himself like that kind of teenager. And when he was in that world, he was really drawn to it because, again, 
they don't follow the rules. And Michael was just like, I don't know, it intoxicated him. And so when he met Donald Trump all these years later, after he was already an established lawyer, semi-retired, multimillionaire, not thinking that anything was you know, going to happen as far as, oh, I'm going to rebuild myself. He, he meets Donald Trump and he was just taken with him. And, and the more Donald Trump wanted Michael to basically be that, you know, I mean, he's a lawyer, but he wasn't, he wasn't the lawyer that checked out everything and made sure that it was all up to code. And it, no, he was the strong man, dude. He would go in and he was that guy that so it reminds me in Rocky, the first movie, that guy that uh, Rocky was like the guy who go beat people up. So that's what Michael Cohen did. I mean, he didn't really beat people up, but he made them think that th- that might happen, whether they'd get killed or beat up. He, he put the fear into them and he was intoxicated with that. And so to read his point of view and to read, you know, I, I believe and sincerely believe that he regrets what he did. But I also know, and I think he even says it, or has said it, that he would still be doing it today if he hadn't been caught. But he recognized, and the reason I believe him is because I do know he loves his family, and he understands that he really fucked over his family. And I think he genuinely regrets that. And because of that, I think he can see the bigger picture now and say, oh, I mean, and I'm going to go to David Weissman, who used to be a MAGA. And had this conversation with Sarah Silverman on Twitter. And whatever it was that she said to him made him open his eyes. It made him go look at other websites and news sites and to basically educate himself on what reality was. And now he it took him about a year. I think his entire journey going from MAGA to liberal, even progressive liberal, was about a year. Because he was for Elizabeth Warren. So I do think people can can evolve or change. I don't know if I'm going to say Michael Cohen evolved, but he definitely now gets it. He understands what he did. And of course, because Donald, just like with the woman who wrote Melania and me, I think these books are written because they're kind of trying to protect themselves. And then Michael Cohen says, yeah, okay, he's a threat to everybody. So I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that that's the truth. And so I appreciate it. And as far as moving the needle, it's not going to move the needle. It's just going to give you insight to Donald Trump. And I I'm so curious about that because you do get the behind the scenes of of what it was like to be up close and personal with Trump. And I'm only halfway through the book, so I don't know everything, but it's worth a read. I, I really like it. And I was trying to get him on my show, but I don't, th- I, you know, I had tagged him. It was funny. I tagged him and I, I invited him on my show on Twitter. And then Joe Walsh was so kind to also tag him and quote tweet me and say, you should consider being on Kimberly's show because... She's really fair and she's a wonderful interviewer. And I was like, that was so sweet. So I'm so happy. But anyway, all right. So let's just get into the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast. It's supported by listeners and it's woman run. I'm the woman. I don't have corporate backers and I don't use advertisers. Right now, it's patrons who keep the show going. So I always say this. If you enjoy today's show, please take a look at the about page. Check out some of my past guests. I've interviewed all kinds of really cool people actors. I've interviewed Alyssa Milano, Glenn Kirshner, Molly Jong-Fast, Charlotte Clymer. Uh, the guys that I'm interviewing today are awesome and you're going to love them. Of course, you know, there's also Greg Oliar and Brooklyn Dad Defiant. So many cool people. A lot of people that are uh, really popular on Twitter. But I've also interviewed Vincent D'Onofrio and Kirk Acevedo, who's also popular on Twitter. 
And sometimes when I interview actors, I only focus on their craft. But most of the time, the show is a political show. It's political discussion. So I do two shows, free shows, per week. I do Mondays and Wednesdays. And then twice a month, I do patrons-only shows just for my patrons. A little bit more personal, but still basically the same feel. We talk about whether it's feminism or politics or whatever it is, but there's always like a little extra personal in there. So if you are a subscriber for $4 or less per month, you will get all of the free shows delivered straight to your email box, and you will also get one patrons-only show. If you sign up to be a subscriber for $5 per month, you will get both patrons-only shows and all the free shows delivered to your email box. You don't have to search for it. Now, I always like to remind people that I have set up those tiers for dollar amounts, but you don't have to go by those. You can select whatever tier you want, and then you can change the dollar amount to whatever you're comfortable with. Some people might want to sign up for $100 a month. I don't have that tier, but you can create it yourself. So just FYI, visit patreon.com slash start me up and you'll see all those tiers. You'll see the about page. The other thing you can do is you can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in my Patreon description. I always include my email address, and then you can just PayPal me. The last thing I'm going to say is you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, go to the Apple Podcasts, and become a subscriber because it's free. It's free and easy. And while you're there, and thank you for doing it in advance, if you like the show, give me a rating and give me a review. The reviews are the most important part. You don't have to go into a lengthy whole dialogue. All you have to say is, hey, I love this show. Give me one sentence. That's all you really need to do. Let other people know what you think about the show because that's how people decide whether they want to listen to a show. When you go buy something off of Amazon, if you're not familiar with it, you're looking at those reviews. So reviews are always important to authors and podcasters, anybody who gets a review, we need those positive reviews. So thank you in advance for them. And that's it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Alex Mahajer and Jonathan Welch. Welcome to the show, Alex and Jonathan. Thank hi. You. It's good to have you. So now why don't you just say, hi, I'm Alex. Hi, I'm Jonathan. So my listeners can differentiate you two. Hi, I'm Alex. And hi, I'm Jonathan. And we're doing a Skype episode. Usually I do this over the phone with one person. So hopefully the Skype will work. I've done it with a couple. I've done it with Frangela and a couple of other ones. So we should be good. But just just in case. Um, oh, we love Frangela, <laughs> by the way. I know. Oh, Frangela is so awesome. Very uh, good old friends. Yeah, they, they're so funny and cool. And I just I absolutely adore them. OK, so we're going to get into this because I, you know, I actually wrote a book called American Woman, the Pole Dance Woman in Voting. And it was all about the importance of voting. And I wanted to write it for basically for myself when I was not paying attention to politics and I didn't care about voting. I was more, you know, concerned with going out and clothes and guys and whatnot. So uh, this is a really important issue. And especially this election, it's such a big deal. Um, you guys are uh, heading up the National Vote at Home Initiative. So uh, before we get into this, I just want to go over a couple of the current news events and just get your uh, input on this, and then we'll go into what you're doing because it's so important to vote. I mean, we just literally found out that Donald Trump knew how deadly the coronavirus was, and Bob Woodward got him on tape saying it, and he just, you know, then he went off and said it was going to magically disappear. And, I mean, can you guys believe this? I can't even believe this. I mean... 
I can, (laughs) (laughs) but I can, I think that we've seen over the past three and a half, three and three quarters years that like Trump is just egregiously negligent. Mm -hmm. The only thing he cares about is himself. The only thing he cares about is winning and he doesn't govern. Right. I think that's kind of something that's bleeding into Republican politics a little bit is this desire to win, desire to win political races and the ability to campaign, but zero ability to govern. Yeah, exactly. And and let's be totally clear. So Donald Trump knew in February Mm -hmm. that the coronavirus was dangerous, that it was airborne, that it was contagious, that it was more deadly than the flu, that it was more five times more deadly than than the flu, and he did absolutely nothing through March. He didn't declare it uh, a global pandemic until mid-March. And March 13th, it was March 13th that he was saying, I take no responsibility (sighs) for the coronavirus. He let 190,000 Americans die and counting, and enough's enough. I don't know if this is going to be what moves the needle, but um, Donald Trump would rather you die than have to take accountability or take action action on anything and it's enough yeah it's it's really upsetting i mean I, just the other day i mean i'm pro- i was talking to my mom this morning and i told her i said i'm probably the most cautious and safe person in america and she's like yeah you probably are because i'm like really obsessively cautious i wash everything down when i bring it home i wash myself i just i'm afraid like if i go into any kind of enclosed area there might be some piece of the like little spore of the virus touching my sweater and then i'm going to touch my sweater and touch my and maybe that'll never happen but that's how my mind works i consider everything to be contaminated and so I was at the grocery store with my mask on which I hate wearing but I'm gonna wear it anyway and I mean I, I, I'm 52 and I'm a pen- mon- yeah, menopausal woman who gets very hot so when I put the mask on my face and I'm having like a warm flash or something it's torture but I'm not like those Karens out there who is gonna scream about wearing a mask I'm gonna keep my mask on but I feel so resentful that I can't do the normal things that, you know, we do in life. You know, it's like well, I was just so pissed the other day at the grocery store just thinking, God damn, yeah, yeah, just like cussing him out in the aisle. <laughs> and it's and it's traumatized. We've been collectively traumatized yes. by this. And yeah. to think that he allowed that, you know, in the very yes. first days, my partner is immunocompromised. My mom is 72 years old. Her birthday was yesterday. Happy oh, birthday, happy mom. Birthday. And, you know, I would strap on my mask in the early days when we still didn't know much. And I would go to the grocery store to try to get the needed supplies. This is when people were like pillaging grocery stores and nothing was available. And I would come back trembling and Mm -hmm. jump in the shower because I was so frightened. Mm -hmm. And to think that we could have this asshole could have let us know in February or earlier Mm -hmm. that there's a way to prevent this, that it's deadly. You know, that's just so maddening. And now we're how many months into this? And I think we've been through a collective trauma and it's really upsetting. We really have. And, you know, Kimberly, it brings up a point. I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday about just how she's in such a, she lives in Texas and she's just in such a dark place about everything Mm -hmm. going on. And she feels like, you know, she's seeing, just how much of an effect this is having on the economy and as a result that it's having on uh, her livelihood and her ability to plan. And I think that we aren't really paying as much attention to the psychological damage Mm -hmm. that this is doing to people. Just just in terms of, you know, the past few years, I think that psychologically it's taken 
taken a toll, but I definitely feel in the past six months I've aged about 10 years. (laughs) And I don't know how to fix that because we can't get that time Mm -hmm. back. But I know that that's part of why Alex and I do the work we do. It's part of why, you know, why we fight so hard is because, you know, we simply can't continue like this. And, you know, when you ask the question, um, Reagan asked this question in 1980, right before the election, and I don't agree with anything that he did, but I agree with this question as far as campaigning goes. Mm-hmm. Are you better off than you were mm-hmm. four years ago? I yeah. don't know of anyone who can say that they are. No, absolutely not. No, there's no way. Maybe maybe some of the oligarchs, but outside of that, no. The 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 Most of this country, even even the ones who are not wearing masks and not social distance, distancing. No, none of us are better off. This is just really frightening. So let's, let's just get into it. Uh, what is the National Vote at Home Initiative? Well, uh, the National Vote at Home Initiative is a project by the Stonewall Democratic Club, which me and Jonathan are both leaders in. And we co-sort of uh, spearheaded this project because we were thinking, we're based out of LA, but we're thinking, how can we change the needle here? How can we move the needle where are we needed? And we saw Donald Trump, one of the things he did as soon as the coronavirus hit, it was he started casting doubt over vote by mail systems and saying that it promotes fraud, which the studies have shown. It's like, I think the studies show 0.00025% instances of voter fraud since the year 2000. It's not a thing. So he's afraid because they're paper ballots and his, you know, his, uh, puppet masters in Russia are also afraid because yeah. <laughs> because paper ballots can't get hacked and you yeah. can't cast doubt over something that's got a paper trail. And right. so what we decided was we're going to target 16 key states and states with potential Senate pickups for Democrats mm-hmm. with their vote by mail information to clear up the confusion and give them all the info they need to make sure that they can vote by mail safely and easily. And I think Don, Jonathan can touch base on kind of how this ended up coming to fruition and who we ended up getting to do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. So, um, so of course, you know, Alex and I talked about the impact that we wanted to have. And in doing this, we decided that we would look up all of the, uh, the date restrictions and kind of the individual um, policies around voting by mail in these states. Mm -hmm. So every state, and this is something that's important for everybody to note, every state is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but with some consistencies to it. So if you're voting by mail, one of the things that we highlight in our videos is that you have to drop your ballot in the mail um, by October 20th, or you have other alternatives. A lot of um, cities, counties, states have drop boxes for voters. So you can actually go pull up to a drop box and the registrar of voters in your city or county will pick that up. Um, you can also drop it off at a clerk's office. Mm-hmm. So we researched all of the different parameters around that. Mm-hmm. And then we to add, also we kind of went through the states, right? So we wanted to make sure that we were targeting specific states that could move the needle not just in the presidential election, but in places where we have opportunities to pick up a Senate seat mm-hmm. uh, or to defend crucial House House seats in order to maintain our House majority. Hmm. So, uh, so in doing so, we looked up who was, who, you know, who 
in terms of celebrities, notable people were from these states. Mm -hmm. And we reached out and we did a massive outreach campaign. Um, Alex really kind of spearheaded that that portion of it. And we got some wonderful people. So um, Deborah Messing of Will and Grace. Yes. Yeah, the original uh, Wonder Woman, Linda Carter. Oh, wow. Our very own Frangelas did a video for us. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Hey, have you reached out out to Morgan Fairchild? I bet she'd do it. Well, we didn't know that, Kimberly. So we're. (laughs) I know. Yeah, Daniel Newman from The Walking Dead, who's doing our Georgia video. And we. So basically, it's 16 videos targeted to a new state every single day. We launched September 1st. We're going through September 16th, and each video targets that state with their vote by mail procedures less than two minutes uh and just lays it out you got to register to vote Mm -hmm. if you want to vote by mail you have to be registered and we know there are voter purges across the united Mm -hmm. states so make sure you're still registered and that you have the proper address on file and then once you're registered to vote uh you can just register online in most states to receive your ballot by mail absentee and submit that ballot because of the slowdowns in the postal service, you want to submit your ballot by October 20th, and that's your plan A. And if you're if you can't do it by October 20th, your plan B is drop it off yeah. at a local precinct or location. And or if you didn't get that ballot on time, you just show up and early vote. Strap mm-hmm. on your mask and vote early and avoid the lines and avoid the crowds and maintain safe and easy social distancing. Yeah, let so. me ask you this. Um, you keep saying October 20th. As mm-hmm. the last day to vote, why did you choose that particular day, or why is that day the the day? Well, because the U.S. Postal Service is really slowing down service. Mm-hmm. So, in order to give it give the ballot two weeks to re, to uh, reach your registrar's office, mm-hmm. you want to give it at that time. So, you really need to drop it back in the mail and make sure that it has enough time to reach its final destination, so that it's received by election day. Yeah. For the most part. In most of these states, ballots that are not received by Election Day are not counted. Hmm. Um, sometimes, though, it's, it's if it's postmarked by Election Day, yeah. then it's good. You know, we just we don't want to leave any gray area. Yeah. So we decided Kamala Harris's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Do it for Kamala. Do it for Kamala. You know, the, the way that I, I'm looking at this, um, I know... Well, okay, I'll, I'll ask you this question first, but then I want to talk a little about my fears. Um, mm. Is it like I know that there are there's claims that there's fraud. Oh, you already talked about the fact that there's like no fraud, but the slowdown in the system. Um, I, well, here, I'll just put it out there. I was talking with my podcast partner yesterday and she said that there was a videotape, which I did not see, of mail carriers throwing away mail. And I don't. I haven't heard this from any other place. And I guess maybe she saw something on Twitter. I don't know, but that that concerns me. And so I. I mean, I'm. I know that there are certain counties and, and states where some people have to vote by mail. There's there's really no other option for them, for various mm-hmm. reasons. So obviously, each one of those people, the best thing to do is get it mail that ballot in as soon as you possibly can. Uh, yes. But, but. I'm all about like I have ordered my mail in ballot and then when I get it, I'm going to fill it out at home and I have that plan. You know, I'm going to go and drop it off. I live in Maryland right now. And so, the you know, it's 20, the 26 is when the polls open early voting. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to do that. And, you know, I also got 
for anybody who's interested, I got I, I not only do I have my mask and then I have my like construction goggles that are that have, like <laughs> the plastic on both sides. I'm such a geek, but I also have a, a face shield because I am yeah. so freaked out about this freaking virus. So that way, if cover I cover yourself in plastic, yes, you know, exactly. Like you're, like you're an Italian woman's sofa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and look, here's the deal, Kimberly. It's there. There. So I, First of all, the slowdowns on the Postal Service are because of the, the U.S. Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, who's yeah. now been subpoenaed before Congress because of these blatant attempts to interfere with the election. Yeah. However, don't believe everything you see. Okay. We recommend you drop your ballot off. If you can, for some yes. people, that's not possible because of where they're located. Mm -hmm. But if you can, it's drop it easy yeah. to drop off the ballot yeah. and avoid the mail altogether. But if you mail it in by October 20th, you shouldn't have a problem. And also, a lot of these states allow you to track your ballot yes, on the yes, same yes. registrar's website. So track to see if it was received and counted, and then raise hell if it wasn't. Right. And um, we we don't we don't anticipate that people's we don't want people to be afraid to vote by mail because they think, oh, it's just not going to get counted. You should yeah. definitely vote by mail. Just make sure you do it very early to avoid yes. any of the potential problems and sign. Your yeah, sign ballot. it. Don't forget to and sign it. it and do the right and signature. Reason, remember one oh, reason they don't get counted is because they don't get signed. Yeah, and I, I mean I've oh. said this a million times, but I I got a ballot returned because I did my short signature, which was just a scribble. And I guess when I had registered, I did my long signature where I spelled out my entire name. So they did not match. Make sure your signatures match to whatever it was you registered with. So now from like from now on, I just know that when I register to vote, I use my long signature. If I'm going to sign, you know, a check or something like that, I do my scribble signature. So of course, I have to make my life more compli complicated with more than one kind of signatures. But I'm just want to make sure and I'm going to keep repeating that until voting day that keep that signature uniform or it might cost you. So um, were you going to say something, Jonathan? I was sorry. No, I was just going to add that um, check where you have to sign it too, because yeah. there are a lot of people who will, <laughs> sign, you know, like in California, we don't sign our ballots. We sign the envelope. Oh, that okay. That's good to so know. The field, we sign that. So you have to make sure that you know exactly where you have to sign it, right. that you use the right pen, that you, you know, that you do certain things. And again, it's different in every mm -hmm. single state. And I also wanted to, you know, not to really make you worry about anything more, but let's say you don't get your ballot in the mail. Mm -hmm. That's something that, you know, first of all, we don't anticipate this election being easy mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is, as simple as voting by mail is, even or even showing up in early voting, we know that there's systematic voter suppression mm -hmm. happening in states that we need to move. And you're going to see long lines of people waiting, you know, like yeah. Michelle Obama said, pack your lunch, mm -hmm. maybe pack a few snacks, you yeah. know, you don't know when you, how long you're going to be in line. Um, you know, so we're prepared for that. Yeah. But on top of that, every state and every county are different. So definitely check out your secretary of state, um, you know, their office, check out your county clerks and mm -hmm. just make sure you know uh, what those parameters are. Because like in Los Angeles, if you don't receive your ballot on time at all, mm -hmm. you can go to any center and they'll look you up and they'll cancel your mail-in ballot oh, okay. so that your vote I know Donald Trump is out there and he's saying that you should mm -hmm. uh, mail in your vote because he's encouraged, he's actually encouraging the voter fraud that doesn't happen in this country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
addressing that, but what we're saying is that, you know, if you contact the your vote, the proper voting authorities, mm-hmm. that you'll to vote if you don't receive it on time. So again, it's like a plan A, plan B, right. maybe even a plan B, you know? Yeah, and, the, and the, I just want to add that the benefit of, of voting early, whether it's by mail or dropping it off in person, is, you know, everybody keeps talking about this red mirage, which is, you know, may happen, which will look like Donald Trump wins. Because, mm-hmm. there, because, as you said, this is going to be a very sketchy election. There's going to be problems everywhere. There, were, there have been problems in past elections, but now we're dealing with this crazy-ass dictator. And, so, and we've got Louis DeJoy in there in the post office. So the, the, the craziness is just going to be off the charts. So, yeah, there is a good chance that we will see this red mirage, which is going to be the GOP votes will show up before the mail-in ballots because more of them vote in person. If we, but look, if we can yeah. do this, though, if we can, if Democrats get on, we have two months, if Democrats get on the ball and do this early and enough of us do this, we can possibly avoid that red mirage. One, well, 100. Some people say that we'll have the election results on election night. I'm not sure how true that is. Right. But some people say if we turn out yes. that we have the numbers, we, we know that we outnumber them and we don't need to convince any more people who are Trump supporters to come over to our, our yeah. side. We have the numbers and we won in 2016 by 3 million votes mm-hmm. and lost in an electoral college by 77,000 votes. And we know now that was because of uh, the voter cross-check system that purged people from the voter rolls. We know it was from vo- racist voter ID laws, but guess yeah. what? When you vote early, they can't deny the numbers and hmm. to take heart, my friends, we won the 2018 yes, midterm election in a massive historic mm-hmm. out, uh, turnout and the entire country went an average of 10 points to the left. Wow. That This is a movement. Yes. This is a movement. Please join us. It's a movement <laughs> that we must all see through to its conclusion. Yeah. And all we have to do is buckle down, understand it's not going to be easy, but we've got to see it through. Every single person listening to this should make their own internal commitment to themselves that they will crawl over glass mm-hmm. and brimstone and hellfire to make sure their vote is counted because voting is a corner stone of American democracy, and we will not let a dictator or a fascist authoritarian like Donald Trump take that right away from us and eradicate our rights for an entire generation. So just buckle down, everyone, and make it happen. We just need you all to make it happen and get your plan ready. You can visit us at stonewall.vote to figure out how to do it, and we're making all that information available to you guys. Awesome. So let me ask you this. Um, how did you decide? You mentioned that there were 16 states that you were targeting. How did you choose those states? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think the first indicator was we looked at those three states in 20, uh, 2016 that caused us so much pain, mm-hmm. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. We made sure that we had strong showings in those three states, and we had Deborah Messing, Brian Tyler Cohen, and Kirsten Johnson. I love her. Um, Kirsten <laughs> Johnson, yes, and they, they were fantastic, and they, you know, so we did vo- uh, videos with them. Yes. Then we looked at other states that have the potential to swing. So you have North Carolina, Florida, uh, Georgia, and Arizona. Arizona probably being the strongest of that group. Mm-hmm. So we made sure that we have had videos for them. We also looked at states that we need to hold. So Nevada is a really great example. So we needed, you know, we obviously 
have a purple state next door to us. So that's why we often send people door to door in Nevada here democratic club like we'll do bus trips that's not something that we have the luxury of doing now hmm. so we wanted to make sure to reach our neighbors out there um we looked at senate pickups so states like maine states like uh south carolina we have opportunities to pick up senate seats in those and uh in addition to other states that i already mentioned mm-hmm. and i won kentucky that's right wow. kentucky so you know iowa's probably really strong Senate pickup. Joni Ernst, who's a super Trumper. Um, uh, She's against Teresa Greenfield, who's a pretty moderate um, businesswoman who's also a farm girl. So she understands like one of the things that I think that we're not even talking about is like how screwed over farmers have become. So Iowa is a very farm rich state. So Mm -hmm. Teresa is good candidate uh in that state so you know so we have all of those opportunities and then in california not only did we want to do a video for our home state but we're defending house seats right here just south of us in orange county that flipped in 2018 that we need to hold in order to hold that majority yeah. and orange, you know orange county going blue was definitely monumental but mm. we want to make sure holds. so that's of how we selected all of those states and and you know and then of course it was down to getting people to do the states and we had a lot of enthusiastic adopters and supporters so right and i'll note also if your state is not on our list you can still get this information at our website stonewall.vote or iwillvote.com any that will service any state so you can register in any state and we are targeting these 16 states because we think it's important but every vote counts in every state whether you're red blue or in the middle let it be fair everyone should turn out to vote and let the let the results be what they'll be and we just happen to think that if we can turn people out that it are it'll be in our favor yeah i agree i've been pushing that whole thing i mean the 2018 midterm election saw a ele- uh, general election turnout so yeah, definitely people are motivated to vote. And I think, I think there's a tendency to worry about outcome for obvious reasons, uh, or sorry, the uh, turnout for obvious reasons. But if we look back actually on every single election that has happened since Donald Trump has been in office, the Democrats have won, not to mention the fact that, you know, I've been since 2012, I wish it was earlier than that, but since 2012, it's when I learned that the ERA had not been ratified into the Constitution. And for the longest time, since the, basically the 70s, they, they only needed three more states. And of course, Congress put a deadline which expired and that, that whole ERA thing was pretty much dropped by the wayside and there were always advocates calling and trying to get individual states to vote on it and overcome uh, the, the deadline, etc. Well, interestingly, mm-hmm. in 2017, Nevada passed it. In 2018, Illinois passed it. And finally, the last state was ratified in Virginia this year. So while, so Trump, was, yeah, while Trump was president, it's odd, but that's when it, it, it flies. And of course, we still have to deal with that stupid deadline, which is another really great reason to vote blue because Democrats will likely just put either another extension on it because I think there might have been two. If there was only one, I can't remember. But either way, there was already an extension. I mean, I'm sorry, already a deadline. So there was mm-hmm. there was a deadline and then there was an extension. That's what it was. So there could be another extension or it could just be wiped out. They could just vote to wipe it out. 
Um, so yeah. I just want to remind people that another good reason to vote blue is, you know, I mean, the Equal Rights Amendment benefits women more, but it benefits everybody. And, you know, it's just about discrimination. You can't be discriminated discriminated against j- because of your sex, period. Right. So, and you uh, make right. such a good point about that, because, look, even if Kentucky doesn't go for us at the presidential level, down ticket races are yes. so important. Democrats are going to if you can elect Democrats to state legislatures, Mm -hmm. you can get things like the ERA, you can get things like the interstate popular vote compact, which if you think the electoral college is, uh, is crap and undemocratic and a relic of a time gone by, we really have an opportunity to, uh, get rid of it through, not through constitutional means, but through a compact of States. And this is decided by state legislatures. And we only need a couple more States to sign off. And then we can get rid of this dumb electoral college, which has denied the popular vote winner who also happens to be, happened to be Democrats two times over the last 20 years yeah. uh, and and go with the national popular vote. And um, yes, I, there are so many reasons to vote blue down ticket as well in states like Kentucky, Iowa and other red states. Um, so I think you make a really important point. The ERA is so important and yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> we can we can move the needle on these things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was going to say also not to not to say that we shouldn't be um, really worried about this election because I know I don't sleep at night. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that does help me is when I think about 2018, and mm-hmm. you and I'm glad you, that we keep talking about 2018 because that was such a powerful turnout. Yeah. But that also we were able to flip, you know, governor seats yes. and secretaries of state right. in states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Arizona, like, I mean, they have a Republican governor, but they have a Democratic secretary of state. Mm. That's what's really important in this election. So, you know, it does matter. And of course, you you look at the opportunities where we can grow that even further and just continue to solidify it. And it's weird that we're saying, you know, Democrats are kind of the American party now. Um, yeah. Big Ten. Right. But we're the Big Ten. We're the pro-democracy party. And now, now there's a car alarm going off. Next <laughs> well, uh, let me just chime in, Jonathan, and say, like, if, if you want to know why it's so easy now to vote in Kentucky, for instance, Kentucky's got very easy vote by mail procedures. You wouldn't expect that in such a deep red state. But that's because Democrats have the good yes. sense to turn out for their Democratic governor in that state. And he's made it easier for people to vote. It, it all trickles down mm-hmm. and we can do this and it's important so important yeah i mean and and, and i just i think that it, it it's so people often say oh it doesn't matter like i remember people in te- you know beto was close and beto o'rourke and he, he had a close race and it was texas and it shouldn't have been but people were saying right. you know they just didn't feel like their vote was going to count and so they just didn't bother democrats you know, mm-hmm. and now they've realized, okay, wait a minute, there are a lot of us here. So it does make a difference. I interviewed this awesome guy. He's he's in Texas. He's running against Louis Gomer. His name is Hank Gilbert. And he is so funny and he's so wonderful. Ugh, and Louis Gomert. <laughs> I know. I mean but but Hank is awesome. He I mean he what does he call him? I don't remember. He just did an ad because because Hank is a cattle ran- rancher. And so he did an ad where he like stepped in cow shit 
and and basically compared it to Louis Gohmert as he's scraping the cow shit off his shoe. He's just so funny. He's such like a he looks like the typical guy that we go after on the Republican side because you know he's a good old boy. He's wearing the hat and everything, but he's a full on Democrat and he's got that mm-hmm. he's got the drawl. So it's kind of funny. I remember when I was interviewing him, I kept like we're so used to seeing Republican men that are that description. And so I kept, it's like there was part of me that wanted to keep saying, well, what makes you so liberal? Oh, you are one. Never mind. Because it's like, <laughs> but he's so funny and he's so awesome. Yeah. So it's like if people like that, you know, I mean, I, I know it's really a heavily gerrymandered district, but if we have numbers too big to ignore, we can overcome all of the suppression and the gerrymandering and the cheating. Um, but yeah. I want to I want to ask you, because the administration has has, you know, gone on about vote by mail systems, promoting fraud and blah, 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 and casting doubt. And of course, now Trump is in- encouraging his own voters to vote twice. So, I mean, are you concerned about this? What do you think can happen? Well, they can commit a felony and <laughs> go to jail. Um, yeah. but it's a crime. But and will, of bar, course Donald will bar do anything doubtfully? <laughs> right. But of course, he wants people to vote twice because he's worried. And what he really wants to do is he wants to create so much chaos yes. and confusion that he can dig in and say right. either because the votes will show that he won based off of double votes that he won or that he'll say, see, it's a it's fraud and validated. Yeah. But, you know, um, we're, I'm not super concerned about that. I, I think people have common sense. Yeah. And um, honestly, there are things we can control and there are things that we right. can't. And Jonathan made a really good point. This is not going to be easy. Yeah. Buckle down. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And um, we have someone who's going to hold on to power through all means. And so we, we say turn out in voter numbers they can't deny. And, you know, I hope Joe Biden is lawyered up mm-hmm. and yeah. ready to go I'm on sure November 4th. Yeah. So I'm sure he is. Yeah, I mean. Well, I was going to say Hillary gave him good advice, which is do not concede. Yes. Um, you know, do, do not do that because yeah. there's so much that needs to be dug into, you know, potentially. And as Alex said, it's a felony. And some of the secretaries of state, especially I think in North Carolina, which is where Trump made those remarks, have said our system is in place so that we know that, right. that you're not going to vote twice. We'll throw your votes out. Right, right, it's right. not going to count. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Um, I know we talked a little about, I mean, basically we can be confident if we mail our ballot in early, uh, really early. I mean, it's, it's, before, it's October 20th or before. So knowing this, you know, what kind of impact will your project have? Well, we can tell you some of our early numbers. We're halfway through our campaign. We launched on September 1st and we've, uh, today's day eight, day nine, we're over, we've just gone through the halfway mark today. We're doing a Nevada release. We have had a million impressions on Twitter Wow! and we can, we, we are estimating that of those million impressions on Twitter, that there's been an engagement rate that has sort of, uh, Sort of, uh, we're estimating that we've gotten about 13,000 people to register to vote or register for their absentee ballots based on the numbers that we're getting off of uh, data analytics. So um, that's important because here's the deal. We never set out to turn out a million voters. Mm -hmm. As Michelle Obama said, and it's a great point, we lost the Electoral College by 77,000 votes. This comes out to one or two votes per precinct. That's our goal. That's our benchmark. 
one or two voters in precincts like Wisconsin, all over Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania will turn will turn the tide on this election. If you're listening to this and you think your vote doesn't matter, one or two people per precinct will decide the 2020 U.S. presidential election. So um, based on the numbers that we're seeing, we've got over a million impressions. And that's so thanks in part due to the the big, beautiful names that we got to participate who are such champs, uh, advocates for democracy. But also through our partner, Demcast, which is uh, an an organization, um, and Nick Knudsen has worked with us to help amplify these videos. So, um, yeah, at Stonewall Dems is the Twitter handle where we're doing these releases. We do them on Facebook uh, and YouTube as well, stonewall.vote. But uh, Twitter is where we're getting more traction because we know Facebook's evil. And uh, (laughs) there's a a bias uh, on on uh, on uh, on the messaging that comes out of Facebook and what the what the algorithms will allow, but um, yeah, we're we're excited about the early numbers, and we're hoping by the end of the campaign that we can have had two million impressions wow. and at least thirty thousand people register for their vote by mail ballots. Democrats gets around. My podcast is part of Democrats, and I've had Nick Knudsen on twice, so I really love what what they're doing, and I think it's so important. And I think really it's just basically, you know, we're all. I love that, you know, we have to endure this abuse from the Republicans and Donald Trump. And and I love that we're all kind of getting, so many of us, I should say, are coming together and doing things like what you're doing, Demcast, and individuals who are just stepping up. And I'm very grateful uh, that people care so much. It's it's been such a tough ride. But Alex, I wanted to ask you, you know, you have background as a journalist. You host the AMR report for Haps News. You've written for the Huffington Post. You've won an excellent uh, uh, 2018 Excellence in Journalism Award from the National Association of LGBTQ Journalists. I, I, I'm curious if your involvement as an activist would cast any doubt on your neutrality. And uh, does that compromise your work as an activist? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, first of all, it's just sort of a myth to assume that people who um, work in the journalism space have no bias. Uh, My biases precede me. I don't make them a secret. I do political commentary, not news, uh, not uh, objective news reporting. And so if you're watching me, you're going to come in for my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad about that because I don't I, I do. I do have a bias, of course, mm-hmm. but I am giving people facts and journalism yeah. is the transmittal of transmission of facts to other people. And so when I talk about the the piece that you talked about, that won an award um, from the NLGJA, that, that piece was called The Tale of Two Marches, which was talking about the similarity in the rise to power of the Ayatollah Khomeini hmm. in Iran in 1979 and what we're seeing now with Trump, uh, the socio-political circumstances that allowed the rise of fascism and authoritarianism are a staple of history that we've seen over and over and over again. And so for people, I am the child of immigrants who came here from Iran to escape authoritarianism and oppression. So people who come here from those kinds of countries who've immigrated here understand what they are seeing, that people who are born and raised here maybe don't see themselves. I see it. My mother sees it. Mm -hmm. And so we see, we see with our own eyes because we've seen it before. And so I think it's really important to share that information as a journalist, if I can, Mm -hmm. and give people that perspective. Um, And 
Yeah, I, I'm really proud of the work that I've done. And I and I think that activism and journalism can coexist yes. so long as you sort of disclose uh, what your biases are. And I make mine very, very clear. Yeah. So, well, I, I, but I also yeah, I just wish that journalists would say more often, you know, there's a problem with false equivocation in American journalism because they are so afraid mm -hmm. to seem impart uh, yes. to seem impartial that they won't just say Donald Trump is a liar, mm -hmm. which he is. It's fact. Everything that he says is a lie. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's uh, one of the failings in 2016. You know, the yeah. media got hard at work saying that this was a race between Pepsi and Coke when it was really a race between Coke and sewer water. Uh, so, uh, you know, yes. I think one of the failings and if people with a perspective can come in and help cl clarify that and make it more clear for people, then I'm happy to do it. Yeah, definitely. And then Jonathan, I know you have a lot of experience producing podcasts and you, mm -hmm. um, you're the produced media chair for the Stonewall Democratic Club. You're a longtime political op operative. So, First, I want to ask how important are communications operations to elections, and then do they do they make a difference? Do they move the needle? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I can't believe that I've been doing political work for almost twenty years, but I have. And, um, and since you were two years old, Jonathan. That's right. I'm super tiny and young, um, but no, I, I, uh, I. Always found that as things have changed, there's something that remains true, and that is how people uh, connect with one another. Mm -hmm. And so, the most effective tool that any campaign can use is to have people advocate for the candidate to others in their community. Mm -hmm. The tools have changed, though, right? So, you you know, it used to be. Uh, newspaper pieces, magazine covers, mm -hmm. and things that you would see on 60 Minutes, et cetera. And now we just have such an abundance of media mm -hmm. that what we try to do at Stonewall is put out things that are easy to consume. So that's why our video series for the National Vote at Home Initiative are all uh, two minutes and 20 seconds or under. Mm -hmm. So easy to consume, easy to share, uh, and that can be shared by trusted sources. So you're seeing so much false information out there. So I think you can see that the opposite is kind of true. Bad communication can also move mm -hmm. um, and move an election. That's certainly what happened in 2016. But what we're seeing now is that, of course, you have the Trump administration telling you that the things that you see and the things that you hear are not things that you're actually experiencing. It's very Orwellian. It's disgusting. So we have to counter that with our own communication strategy that lines up with the communication strategy of other democratic organizations and campaigns. Uh, it's very important that we're putting out media, that we're putting our people out there. So you see Joe and Kamala out, mm -hmm. you know, doing interviews and constantly on camera. And that's super important. But what's also important is taking what happens in the news and turning that into what our story is because it becomes very convoluted when people are looking at both sides of it. But when you listen to people you trust and they tell you the very simple truth of why they believe in the things they believe in, you are more likely to understand that and to mm -hmm. also... So if I speak to somebody who's in the middle and I say, well, listen, this is why it's important to me and this is why I support Joe Biden. I support Joe Biden because of his decency, because he's a good person, because he's 
steady person and because he brings everybody to the table. And then people are like, oh, okay, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I also go about his compassion and, you know, how desperately starved we are for that kind of leadership of somebody who has even a shred of compassion. It makes me almost want to cry yeah, I when I think of it. So, you know, so I think that the personal is very political, or the political is personal, the personal is political. Mm-hmm. If they go back, it really ties into your morals. And if we're giving people tools, effective communication tools, then they are able to do the work out there because it's you know there's only so much we can do then we have to reach into our personal networks and that's where the power is Hmm. so that's why i i you know when people one of the problems i think that i have in my personal life is that because i'm so political people lay their political angst upon me (laughs) Uh, i'll get text messages and (laughs) instagram messages and things like that I'm so nervous about this thing. And the only thing I can say is you have so many tools at your disposal. Take action. Mm -hmm. Text, call voters, talk to everyone you know in your circle and ask them to do the same. And that's really how effective political communication strategy can be because it comes down to the personal. Yes, it does. And I mean, I think, it. you know, I'm going to be doing some phone banking for Biden and I... I feel like, I mean, I've done it in every election for the past, I don't know, several years, or I should say several elections. Uh, it's not difficult. You know, I know that it seems a little um, intimidating for some, but basically it's so easy. You just sign up. You can do everything over the computer. I think, and, and if I'm not mistaken, um, I think you can just do the calls over the computer, but if you if you don't, there's some way to do it so it's not, your, you're not putting your number in there. Nobody's going to get your number if you call, and then there's a whole script. So what, what I always recommend is just sitting in front of that script, saying it over and over and over again, just maybe three or four times, so that you're comfortable with it, you've got the wording down, and you're prepared for whatever might come up. And if somebody has a question for you that you can't answer, you know, you direct them to whatever website you're comfortable with um, that that might answer it. So, like, you know, whether it's vote.org or one of the websites that you've mentioned, something that's going to, you know, because there, when I did it, I remember a couple people asked questions that I didn't have the answers to, but it, instead of allowing that to fluster you, just say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but you can probably find it here. And uh, that way, you, you know, you're coming off still as confident. And I just I know that people get intimidated, like they don't feel comfortable talking to strangers on the phone. It's really so easy. And basically, my other advice is don't take anything personally. If somebody starts acting like a jerk because they're a Trump supporter or they're a Republican, they don't like a Democrat calling or what, but most of the time you're calling Democrats. So, I mean, they figured out who it is, but occasionally you get somebody who switched over or whatever it is. You just don't worry about it. Just hang up. <laughs> you, know, you don't have so, to deal yeah, with it. You know, oh yeah. My God. And you know, I, I get that comfort level issue, you know, that we're really uncomfortable talking to people on the phone. Yeah. We're really uncomfortable knocking on doors. By the way, we should not be knocking on right. doors right now. I mean, <laughs> campaign is doing it don't do that but there are other ways to reach voters you know i mean you can you you can also write letters Mm -hmm. there are other organizations swimming left is really good about this where they have uh letter writing campaigns that you can do through vote forward Hmm. um so you can have parties you can write handwritten letters to voters in swing states and you can also sign up for these campaigns and text which is so much easier. Mm-hmm. You know, Come on, you millennials. You can text bank, <laughs> Gen Z. <laughs> you know, 
know, and that definitely hits the younger generation. Yeah, and that's what we need. We need those young people. They're hard to get. And I know because I was one. And I mean, I I (laughs) did I did vote uh, in when was that? Was it 1991 in the uh, it was for Bill Clinton. Was it 91? 92. 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, that was the first election that I ever participated in because I had a girlfriend. My mother was always very, very political, but I, I didn't care. And my but my girlfriend was it was so funny. She was going on and on about this guy named Bill Clinton. Of course, to me, I was like, who? But she's like, yeah, he's really great. And he's this and he's that and he's this and that. And my father was a cameraman for ABC News and he happened to be on the Clinton campaign and he flew out. He lives here in Maryland where I live, but he had flown out to California where I lived at the time. And my girlfriend and I were on the way in Santa Monica to meet my dad for dinner and who shows up but Bill Clinton. And he's just like Mm -hmm. alone and he's walking towards us and you know, my girlfriend of course immediately recognized him and we went up to him and said our hellos and he asked us to vote for us and that was that. But it was just funny because that was the first time I ever voted because my girlfriend basically encouraged me to do it and mm. uh so those so young people have i think more Im- it's it's more impactful for another young person to suggest a vote as opposed to an older person because of that whole don't trust anyone over 30 crowd you know it's like you know don't <laughs> listen to those older people they don't know what they're How talking very about dare you. <laughs> but if it's yeah. like you know if you're younger and your friend says something to you i think you're a little bit more um inclined although i do believe that a more young people are paying attention right now and b if i were young today i would be all over this because he's just so egregious and awful um but i, w- I also well, want to ask you i'm only 19 kimberly so <laughs> I, on that note, i kind of just want to say that you talked about bill clinton and i think it's so interesting that when i was <laughs> years old I, uh, my mom snapped me in front of the TV and I was really, I was just a, a wee little thing. And yeah. I watched Bill Clinton's inauguration address yeah. and he's talked about a youth call to service hmm. and that affected me. And I think yeah. young people want to be, uh, want to be engaged and participate. Mm-hmm. And it's because they don't feel that they, uh, that they can make a difference that mm-hmm. they, they can get involved that sometimes they don't in recent years, but we're seeing a difference. Yes. Gen Z is on it. Yeah. So um, I'm heartened by the future for the future. I think. Me too. I mean, seeing the young people yeah. step up is awesome. And I just, I want to ask you guys, I ask this of everybody, um, but I'd like to know what you think is going to happen in the November election. I mean, obviously there's all kinds of controversy and scare and this and that, but you know, in your gut, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I think it's well. impossible for Donald Trump to win the 2020 U.S. presidential election if he does not cheat. So it's yes. just about whether or not his cheating will be successful and whether or not we can turn out in numbers that his cheating makes it uh, makes it irrelevant, that makes it cheating irrelevant, yeah. make it numbers that he can't deny. And um, that's what I, I think my gut tells me we have a great shot. Yeah. And like Jonathan and I have been saying, it's not going to to be easy we have a we have an uphill battle but we can do it yeah yeah Secret, I'll agree with that. it putting it out into the universe yeah just I keep agree saying with that. president joe biden and vice president yes. kamala harris every day and you know what that that, that's totally uh i mean I, and i won't go into it because my listeners are probably like all right shut up already but i've been totally working with the law of attraction and part of it is just visualizing you know and, and feeling what it's going to feel like to have what it is you want and i mean i'm only one person and this is the whole country and all that but and it's the whole globe but still, I keep visualizing like I, I get myself relaxed and feeling good. And then I like see 
Joe and Kamala leading this nation, and I, I, I have the feelings. I, like, experience those feelings of feeling relieved, feeling grateful, all that stuff. I mean, I don't know that it's going to help for sure, but I'm going to do my part. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of naysayers out online, and, I, and I'm worried about them. And I'm not going to say that I've never done it because we all get scared. But, you know, there's, there's, for instance, I'm in this DM group, and there's this guy, and he's so sweet, and he's just, he means well. But all he ever does is say, oh, we're done. This, this country's over. And it's like, I, you know, I mean, yes. That's what they want. Yes. That's yeah. what they want. Yes. Listen, I, I have no space for that, yeah. you know, and I don't know how you feel about it, Kimberly, but like, uh, you know, I, I have a little compassion for people who are being defeatist, yeah. but we're not there yet. Exactly. And, and it always comes back to action for me. If you feel that way, what are you doing mm-hmm. in order to prevent that outcome? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. Yes. And I, Everybody who kind of presents that that defeatist way, because I just I won't handle that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel change yeah. in like I feel hmm. that something is happening, and I don't. You know, I'm nervous, mm-hmm. and I I agree with Alex that maybe um, you know that we have all the tools here. We have the votes. We have everything. He can't win unless he cheats, mm-hmm. and he's done cheating. Mm-hmm. So I like, how is he going to cheat? But also, I just kind of feel as though we cannot go on like this anymore, and therefore, change is is happening. So, and, you know, Kimberly, one of my heroes is Robert F. Kennedy, who mm-hmm. was taken from us too too soon. Yes. But he he has a quote that I live by, and when and when Charlottesville happened, and then we started finding out about the kids in cages. I was in a really dark place. I, I, it really affected me. And Hillary's loss affected me. I was at Hillary's election night party in New York City on the floor of the Javits Center with my my face in my hands in mm. tears because I worked yeah. to elect her and believed in her. And every time I get down about what's going on in America, I remember his quote. And I'm going to read it for you, okay? okay? Each time a man or a woman stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different energy those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance and those words ring very true to me and it's about each person Mm -hmm. doing their part Mm -hmm. each person and we can we can we can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression yes. and and make no doubt about it Donald Trump's assault on voting rights is a an act of oppression mm-hmm. and we can we can beat it we can beat it yes absolutely i want i want to ask i have a couple more questions uh i want to ask you about your project do you think i mean does it solve all the attacks i mean does it solve all the attacks on voting by the gop and the other threats, uh, or, or I should ask, how can I say this? What kinds of threats are you seeing happening in the 2020 election outside of what we already know? I mean, I, we've got voter suppression. We've got the mail. What else? We've got, it, well, we've got uh, Trump saying that he is sending people. He said he was going to send uh, law enforcement to the polls. And uh, we've got Russian interference. I mean, what else are we facing? 
Well, we have 55 days to go as of recording this, so we don't know what else Donald Trump is going to throw up right. against the wall. Yeah. I mean, he's like the ultimate spaghetti president, <laughs> yes. like throwing it against the wall to see what's going to stick. And and it, it and it is chaotic, and that's really what yeah. he's doing. He's just trying to create chaos. He's trying to sow doubt and division. Ultimately, I don't think he has it together to do half the shit that he talks about doing. (laughs) So I don't necessarily feel as though, you know, when he makes these threats that he's actually going to do it. Of course, you know, when he does, those comments sit with me and I feel, you know, I feel that knot in my stomach. But ultimately, like, he doesn't have the wherewithal. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to do whatever he can. You know, I think about electronic voter systems in some of the southern states, but um, but those do actually kind of oddly enough exist mostly in red states. Mm-hmm. Um, we <laughs> put in a lot of things in place where you know ballots are paper in most states mm-hmm. throughout the country, and so that's why we chose the lane that we chose. I don't think that our project solves everything it certainly doesn't but we've chosen a lane Mm -hmm. and i think that that's also really good advice yeah it's good advice for any of your listeners or anyone out there who is interested in doing something to help there's so much and there's so much chaos that he's creating Mm -hmm. that it's very difficult to actually figure out like what you want to do but it is up to you to figure out like what lane you want to be in and just do that Mm -hmm. and that is making a huge difference you know and I don't know if everyone is aware, but I try to 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 harp on this as much as I can. Uh, exit poll data from the 2016 election, mm-hmm. which exit polls are the gold standard yes. across the world on how to determine who is the rightful victor of an elected race. Exit poll data showed that Hillary Clinton won North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Florida in the exit polls and then lost in computerized vote counts. Now, yes. people think that this is because of Russian interference, but it's really not. This discrepancy is because voters were being purged from voter rolls in massive numbers. Three million eligible voters were suppressed at the ballot box because their names were not on the voter roll and they went to go vote and they were told they could cast a provisional ballot and those Provisional ballots were not ca- were not counted, and this problem continues today. We've had in uh, since since 2017, over 500,000 voters in Georgia have been purged from the rolls. In the primary in Georgia, Georgia, there were f- over 50,000 eligible voters who were unable to cast their ballots. So this can be solved. Just got to check to see if you're registered, yes. and we do tackle that problem. Make sure you're registered and you've got the proper registration on file, and that you have your voice counted in November. And you know what? I mean, I don't know how it is in every state, but I have a physical piece of paper that tells me I'm registered. It's got my name. It's got my address. It's got, you know, my party affiliation. So if you if you have one of those, bring it with you to show whoever it is you're dealing with. Because, yeah, I mean, that's that's something that is real. I remember uh, seeing in the you know different groups that I was in in 2016, a lot of people were saying, I just went to go vote and I was switched over. I think what was happening, and I don't, I don't remember if it was, but I think it were people, it was independents that had switched over to being Democrats so they could vote. And then for some reason, they were registered as Republicans. 
So just wow. keep that in, you know, I mean, that and, and I, that wasn't something that was reported on the news. That was just something that I was seeing individuals. And I know it's really hard to trust what we're seeing online. So I'm just reporting what I saw. I'm not saying absolute anything that. And, and of course, when that was happening, we weren't really fully aware of what was going on. We you know, there was so much going on in that election that we were all kind of like trying to find. I was like we were wearing blindfolds and we were just guessing through things. So. You know, we know. Well, we also thought we had it in the bag. You yes, know? we did. Yes, we did. And so, I mean, I do agree with you. I do, what one hundred percent. I think take out the cheating, and Democrats win big. You know, but there's going to be a lot of cheating, and not only that. I mean, I'm right. I'm in the middle of reading Michael Cohen's book. I got it yesterday, and it's Oof. it's so fascinating. Oh my God, it's really good. And I, I want to just throw this in there before I ask my last question. But I think you know, people say, well, is it really going to move the needle? No, it's not going to move the needle at all. But that's really not the point. The point is, uh, Cohen gives you. A, a perspective that no one else has. He says he knows Donald Trump better than anyone else, including Donald Trump's family. He was there for those decisions. And not only that, even if it's something that we've heard before, even if it's a story that has already broken, he's giving you the inside, behind the scenes, play by play. And that gives us an insight to Donald Trump and the way he thinks. And again, it's not, for me, it's not about moving the needle. The needle's already moved for me. But I mean, I don't think this book, you know, if you're a Trump supporter, you're just going to say that he's that that you don't trust Michael Cohen, and you're going to write him off as fake news or a liar or whatever. So it's not really about that. It's about understanding. I mean, you know, there were books written about Hitler, and people wanted to read them because they or Mussolini because they wanted to understand the psychology. And so this book, really, I, I was reading, and I haven't read the whole thing, but I was reading Melania and Me, and there are parallels. And it gives you this insight to this couple. Like, for instance, one little thing was the very first incident or event that Trump wanted Cohen to fix was this woman who was saying that she was grabbed by her genitals in Ivanka's room on Ivanka's bed. He like he threw Trump threw her down on Ivanka's bed and grabbed her genitals. And so they, you know, they wanted to fix this story. And, you know, what do they call it? Catch and kill. And eventually... Cohen convinced this woman not to go forward and then get a statement from her to say that this did not happen. And then Cohen went to Melania and said, oh, look, because Trump said, go tell Melania that the woman said this didn't happen. Make sure she knows that this didn't happen. So Cohen goes to Melania and he said, we both knew I was lying. We were having this conversation, but it was like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she ends it with, well, I really don't care what they write about me. And that seems to be very consistent with her responses in the Melania and Me book where her friend would you know, bring certain things up and Melania would just say, I don't care what they write about me. And then it brings us back to that jacket. She just really doesn't care. <laughs> you know? so she just doesn't care. She just doesn't care. No. She's, she's in it for herself. So, but yeah, That's the, the other part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the Cohen book is fascinating because it does give you, and I mean, I think that just whenever you're informed, it's it's going it's better to be informed. Period. It's just better to understand who you're dealing with, and that's that's why I'm reading a, the book. Um, but the last question I have, or at least the last thing I I'll say is, is I know that Stonewall is one of the oldest LGBTQ uh, feminist progressive political advocacy organizations in the country. So, what are you guys doing to uh, outreach in your community, and how can that make a difference in the upcoming election, in like in your own communities? 
we are hoping that Stonewall um, can turn out LGBTQIA voters. And um, we have, we got, um, for this project, the National Vote at Home Initiative, uh, we got a lot of people who are either allies of the LGBTQ community or LGBTQ themselves. We got Nina West, who's um, a RuPaul's Drag Race superstar and Miss Congeniality on that show, and right. Daniel Newman, who was a star of The Walking Dead and uh, uh, an out LGBT man, and um, you know, obviously Deborah Messing was on one of the most popular yes. pro LGBT shows of all time, um, which moved so much yeah. for the for the queer community. So we're hoping, by virtue of who we've gotten, who we've booked, that we can turn out uh, LGBT voters because we know that LGBT voters haven't historically turned out. Really? And that we can affect the outcome of the election if we turn out some more yes. queer people. And so we're hoping that this uh, really not, not only targets people in these states, but targets LGBTQ people in these states. And from that, the Stonewall Democratic Club does so much. We, we endorse in hundreds of races across the country. We do phone banking. We do text banking. We do postcard writing. We do Zoom parties and fundraisers. So um, people who visit our site, stonewall.vote, um, can also uh, find more information about our club and join. And I think you can become a member of the Stonewall Democratic Club for $25 a year. Mm -hmm. And using that, those, that money goes towards electoral work and political action work and also will expose you to a ton of resources in terms of how you can get involved with uh, with your activism and, and political activism. So uh, we're really proud of the club and really proud to be a part of it. Well, that's really, I'm really glad that you guys are doing this. Again, I'm, it's, it's just makes me, warms my heart to see people stepping up and fighting and resisting, and it's important. And I think that so many people say, you know, my vote doesn't matter. And it's like, well, if your vote doesn't matter, why is the GOP and Trump trying so hard to keep you from voting? I'm really happy that you guys are taking the initiative because there there's so much at stake, and it's just really good to see individuals fighting against what's going on and I'm very appreciative and, and I'm I want you to tell everybody first of all what are your Twitter handles and then what is the best website sure I'm at Alex Mahajer and the Stonewall Democrats are at Stonewall Dems and the the, the website for the national vote at home initiative is stonewall.vote okay. and you can also check out our daily video releases there and on Twitter and on Facebook at Stonewall Democratic Club perfect and then so what? And my, uh, oh hi, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, and my my handle is at Jonathan B Welch. Um, and also, if you wanted to check out our YouTube channel, where we have all of these videos housed, uh, and where we have a weekly show that Alex and I are part of called the Read Down every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. You can check us out at youtubecom Democrats. Awesome. Okay, so then what I'm gonna do is I'm going to include uh, the, in the Patreon description of this show, I'm going to put your, uh, both of your handles and the website. And so I hope that everybody follows you and visits you and takes advantage of what you have to offer because it's so awesome. And thank you so much for doing it. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> well, I love you guys. You guys are fun. <laughs> You're fun. You stop that. <laughs> well, definitely we'll have to get together for another show at another time. So, uh, it was really great talking to you, and, uh, you know, stay safe out there. You too, Kim, All right. for having us. Take care.
not only are they doing something totally and incredibly important, they're fun. Oh my God. Definitely coming back to this show. Definitely. I love them. So, uh, yeah, we have to be prepared and everybody has to do like the extra, go the extra mile in this election because we're all going to bitch on Twitter and Facebook and we're all going to complain to our spouses and our family members, but that's not enough. We have to do something. If you can do something, do it. If you, if you're too afraid to do anything outside of the home, like driving people to the polls, which I wouldn't do right now because I'm afraid but you know there's so much more you could do you can make those phone calls you can phone bank you could do stuff so look up what you can do so that it helps you with that defeatist feeling you know what I mean I mean we all get it I get it occasionally but I kind of bounce back because I know that if we just commit to ousting this fucking criminal we can do it there are the numbers there. It's just we've got to fight that cheating. So don't allow the fear to take you over. Be strong and just do something. And when you do something, you feel good. You know, even if even if like you're not. I know that there are Michelle Obama talked of low grade depression. And I imagine there's plenty of us out there who are experiencing that. I experience it sometimes. You just feel it. You go through it. And then you say, OK, what am I going to do now? You, you got to push yourself because it's not going to help anybody to just fold up. If you just fold up and, and, and you say, I, I can't do it. You got to do it. You got to fight. And right now, the way we fight, it's not violent. It's not bloody. It's through our voting. It's through our engagement. It's through making phone calls and doing what you can to get other voters either registered or uh, hyped up to vote. So that's it. I'm not going to ask you to vote anymore today. <laughs> I'll ask you to vote later. But I know my listeners are all going to vote. So... But you got to push other people. You got to you gotta make that extra effort. So anyway, this is the last show of the week. Uh, hopefully you listened to me and Steph yesterday on the Patrons Only Show. That was a little bit even more personal than sometimes we often get. But that was a, uh, it was a good show. It started off a little bit on the teary side. But it certainly got more positive as we went along. So next week, I'm going to be talking to Rob Anderson again. He was on the show. He's running for office in Louisiana. So we're going to talk to him. He's a fun guest. I'm not going to say who I have on Wednesday because I'm just waiting for confirmation and I hate, you know, announcing it. So anyway, but we will have Rob Anderson on and he's really fun. He was fun the last time. So that's it. Do what you need to do. Sign up, get registered, everything. I will see you next week. Next week.